You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: the roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. All righty. Woke up feeling refreshed hey do we have a little timer thing on the bottom now kale on Streamyard? i never noticed that before look at that now i know it ends now there you go right back to the screen what a fantastic little feature that only appeals to us what is up everybody welcome into the dmvr nuggets podcast (laughs) (laughs) presented as always by DraftKings sportsbook america's top rated sportsbook app floating right there over the left shoulder of one d-line co aka eric um, guys, today's show, day after podcast, we of course did the post-game recap yesterday, immediate reactions, a chance to simmer down a little, simmer down everybody, uh, and, and look at this with a little bit more cleared eyes, and more importantly, um, you know, just kind of start to look at what lessons can be learned, both from the series, but also maybe from the Warriors at large, and to help me do that, I've got the man whose real name is in parentheses, but fake name is Eric. That's right, guys. Uh Happy to be here. Here, of course, being my home where I've been in bed all day, uh, refusing to face the world in any way. But I'm ready to now talk to the world at large. Let's go. <laughs> you look great. I'm telling you, there's something about this old pandemic camera setup house that just like brings out the best in me. My dog is here. I know this is a fan oh, favorite. Man, there he is. He is uh, he's such a favorite. Uh, um, anyway, you're looking great, man. I miss that. It makes me miss the uh, early days of the pandemic. I think what it makes you miss is uh, times when we didn't have to see each other face to face daily. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> let's you, go. Let's go. So well. I knew it was something. I was so <laughs> close, but you got it. Uh, back there, backwards hat, baseball season, spring and vote. What a day to be a social media manager. Um, <laughs> some advice for you kids out there never tweet. <laughs> never tweet, indeed. Never tweet. Man, I wonder if my kids are ever going to get on Twitter. Don't let it happen. I feel like I shouldn't. I feel like that'd be a terrible thing. It'd be weird. Uh, I don't know if, if kids like hop on Twitter, though. That might not be the one. Um, so, guys, I want to um, – and I see the comments. Like, guys, I always say this. Yeah, Miss Adam's empty bookshelf background. That was a real throwback. Uh, I I see all the emotion in the, in the chat. Like, obviously, his vote's referencing some emotion online. I mean, we get it, man. This is sports. If it's not emotional, if you're not feeling it, what's the exact point of it? So um, it's supposed to hurt when they lose. It's supposed to feel great to win. And oftentimes, the ones that – what's going on with my camera here? Oftentimes, the ones who uh, care the most are the ones that, you know, kind of feel it. But what I will say is I honestly believe this is the thing about Nuggets because I get – the one comment I get the most annoyed at is the whole, like, I hope Jokic finds a new team. To me, it's like the ultimate, like, this is Lakers mentality, man. This is like what went wrong for the Lakers this year. They just need to find better, newer players or whatever. It's like, no, man, like sports at their core are supposed to be about figuring it out and doing things, you know, growing through all the adversity until you've grown enough to to win. And 
I honestly think this is the storyline of this season for the Nuggets. There's all these different lessons. So that's the one comment that I see that gets me a little bit annoyed. Um, but I want to paint a picture for you two gentlemen. I want to paint a picture. Mm. I want to tell a story about a team that oh, man, lost. going to be good. That had their star player but lost their co-star. Okay? okay. Lost their co-star. Uh, catastrophic injury to the team's best shooting threat, who was the team's third <laughs> offensive option. Catastrophic. Missed him for the whole year. They got blown out in the postseason in humiliating fashion, lost by 20 points, ran off of the court, laughing stock of the league. The fan base started questioning, had the coach run its course? You know, he got them so far. They'd had some successes, but had he run its course? Do they need a new system in place? Uh, fan base started to question the front office. Are they doing enough to maximize the prime window of their star player? They'd brought in these young players, guys. They had prospects, not playing a lot of minutes. He thought, what are we doing? We're wasting his window. you got to trade those pieces for a win now, somebody. And then best of all, they were ranked 24th in defense. Guys, this team can never get over the hump. What team is that, you might ask? Mm, I'm going to guess the Washington Generals. It's the Washington – no, it's the Golden State Warriors. Of what? The last two seasons. People don't remember this. They won 15 games two seasons ago. They missed the playoffs. They made the play-in but missed the playoffs last year. And there was just so much uncertainty around them. Now, one big difference, obviously, is that the Warriors have championships under their belt. They know, would beyond a shadow of a doubt, that they could reach the highest levels. That I'm not. We can't overlook that. But to me, I see a lot of similarities, at least in 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 what's gone on with Golden State in those specific ways. And it's enough to just kind of pump the brakes and say, look, this year, just as the Warriors knew last year was not their year, we all knew this year wasn't the year. And I just think there's at least a little bit of perspective uh, when you step back and look at all those things. Yeah, this. I mean, this is the ultimate lesson. This is oh, this is what we're trying to preach all year long. Like, we didn't want to come to where it's come right now, where we're just it, things look so bleak. This is the darkest timeline that we described a few days ago. Um, but the concept of purgatory is real. We are stuck in a place where the Nuggets cannot go up. They can only and they can only go back so far because they have Jokic involved. So they're just sort of in this sort of suspended animation. And it's going to be that way until you get your players back. I mean, that's just all, that's just kind of how it works. Like, you can't be good if you don't have good players. It's just Eric, sort of a, the simple fact. But, Eric, the thing that, that's funny is we've talked about why has this season felt so miserable. You know, like, when you stop to look at it, like, Yoke's going to win an MVP and, like, all this stuff. And I think, honestly, we all knew this, but it be, becomes so clear through this. We all knew this was what was going to happen. Of course. I, like I, like, I have some people saying, like, I'm so surprised. I'm like, I'm not. This is why even in January and February and all this, like, once it became a little bit more clear that Michael Porter and Jamal Murray, you know, maybe they're not coming back or coming back too late, you just knew the season was going to end in pain, not just like, uh, oh, are they, you know, they got beat by the better team, they lose in game six, game seven, but, like, that they might actually just be outclassed in a series, get to a point where they go up against somebody that outclasses them the way the Suns did. And so I think that – it's like you're trying to enjoy yourself, but there's always that knife that's like right, right, held right up to your neck. Of course. And you're like, and you're like, why aren't you having fun? And you're like, because I know at any moment this thing is going to happen. Yeah. Vote. Yeah. I mean, it's we prepared ourselves for this moment all season long. And in the second half of the season, it was a ship sinking, right? Slowly, 
and we were all on it and we all watched it happening and there weren't any lifeboats. So there is an element now where as we sort of deal with the reaction, you look around and you go, okay, this is actually exactly what I expected. You just have to endure it and get through it. And one of the reasons, you know, this is different from whatever is going on in Utah with what's grown stale there in that Denver's got pieces coming back. And, and I think it's just a different looking future. There are going to be some lessons they have to learn from this. We'll talk about that. Um, But there's been this weird thing all season of the juxtaposition of like the team in the middle, what we all wanted to see this year, if everyone was healthy and then what we know can happen when they play the very best teams. And it's just sort of been this suffocating experience the entire time. And I think one of the lessons there is an existential one. One of my favorite movies is Hannah and Her Sisters. It's a Woody Allen movie. And there's this one character in there who is like constantly worried about his own death, so much so that he wants to kill himself because it's like ruining his life, this idea that like he one day he's going to die. And he ends up like having a failed suicide attempt and then going to a movie and enjoying himself for the first time in forever. And he's kind of like, what am I doing? I'm just supposed to enjoy this until the death comes. Like this is that's actually how it is. And I almost feel like that's one of the lessons for all of us this season. Like when I say us, I mean us fans. Like we kind of knew the season was going to go up in flames. You kind of just have to live it, enjoy it along the way. It really is the – it's a difficult thing to do. You, I like right. that you said the like sinking ship, there's no boats. Because it is almost like the scene in Titanic where we've all just been playing the violin here. Like, hey, how many more songs can we get in before this thing sinks? Right. Let's, just try to, <laughs> let's just try to enjoy ourselves. But I, I think that it really articulates, I think, the fan experience. And by the way, the online, the way that we live online, I think, makes this harder and harder. And it's another lesson for us of like every fan base feels like they are being picked on. And it's because our brains are wired to filter information and like bad information gets augmented. So like you're online, every fan base is like, everyone's talking shit about Jokic. This is unfair. Nobody respects him like this or that. And it's like, guys, just forget it. You got to filter that out because everybody feels that way. Have you grown, Elon, through this? So I think that every fan base feels this. Although for Nuggets fans, we are experiencing a new sensation where people are paying attention to us. And they are paying attention specifically to Nikola Jokic because they are so upset at the idea that he is the MVP that they are looking for any way to discredit the greatness that he is and that he has embodied all season. And now that they are actually all watching him and he is finding himself up against a difficult challenge where he's not able to look like himself so far, um, they're just having an absolute field day. I mean, this is not like anything I've ever experienced before as being a Denver Nuggets fan. Normally, our cry is that just no one will pay attention, people in Denver included. Um, yeah. And now that the spotlight is here, man, does it fucking suck. Like, <laughs> so rough. Like, I, this morning I was thinking about, like, how I spend all my time evangelizing the Nuggets, praying everyone will start to pay attention, learn to love the gift that is Nikola Jokic. And now that everybody's paying attention, I'm like, you guys are idiots. Like, get out of here. Beat it. Like, why are like, yeah, yeah. You guys don't even understand what is going on. Like, there's a whole story here. None of you are paying attention to. You weren't paying attention the whole time. Now, now you see two bad games on television. You have a well thought out, formed opinion about not only who Jokic is, who the Nuggets are, their construction, their future, their past, their present, and you're like, man, shut the fuck up. Like, you don't <laughs> know what you're talking about. It's so irritating. Like, at least be the the, the, the idea. Like, especially here in Denver. Maybe not especially. Maybe this is true of everywhere. But there is a weird thing that happens with the media um, 
and it's very it's very small time <laughs> and you could tell that the media there's certain members of the media like literally do not like the organization and will only crop like peek their head up every time there's something negative to say and will try to make it seem as though there is incompetence afoot that there are things at play that makes it so the Nuggets should be invalid as a franchise and not worth your attention. Um, and it's just, I don't know, days like this, when you wake up like me and you're like, I'm not going to go to work, I'm going to watch Batman. Um, you just sort of like let that wash over you and you sort of um, think about just like the missed opportunity that everybody has. Like, cause we're talking, we've been miserable all season, but we've been watching Nikola Jokic play basketball every day. And it's incredible. It's like nothing I would trade for. I mean, I'm okay with not living a rings culture, just being able to witness the greatness that Nikola Jokic brings to us every day. And like for people to try and discount that and make it seem like it's not even worth your time is literally criminal. It makes me insane. That is definitely true. It's also what I appreciated about this season, and I'm going to fight to keep this perspective, is Jokic kept going. They kept going. Yeah. They they showed up every night and played and played hard and won 48 games. And look, by the end, were we convinced they were very good? No. Um, but this is like – this is professional sports, and we're fans of professional competitors, and they kept competing. So I appreciated that they did that. Um, as far as the noise that comes around it now, we just have to endure, man. Like – Going back to the shit metaphor, we are watching it go down. We're looking. We're thinking that water looks really cold, and now so we're in the cold. water and it's freezing. And we just it's like freezing. it's just gonna it's, so it's just gonna be cold, <laughs> but it's just gonna be that way for a little bit. And we got to endure. And like we can't talk the slander away. You know, you're I'm ready to snag against... a child out of somebody's arms and say, <laughs> "Right, I need a boat. I have a child." <laughs> the Nuggets got to play this slander away, and I think they can, and I think Jokic can. Um, but we just have to endure this part for now. And it's yeah. hey, we we said all year it's not gonna be fun. It's not fun. Uh, but I do. You know, it's I do. It's it's weird because it's not quite a funeral yet either, right? There's, yeah. we'll see where we go from here. But it's been a weird process emotionally as a fan. I'm yeah, gonna try. Nuggets, to, I'm gonna try to appreciate it. If the Nuggets end up winning this series, can you imagine? Like, oh, it'd be, it'll be the best. The, it'd be the greatest thing of all time. Like we've already signed the book at the funeral. <laughs> like we're well, showing up, and then I mean we've been here before. Um, you know, fuck it, right? Let's go. <laughs> One of my favorite things of the Jokic era Nuggets was beating the Clippers and how pissed everyone was that we didn't get the Battle of LA. Like, it was my favorite thing. <laughs> and right now, like, every talk show is just like, Warrior Sons is going to be an all timer. And it would just be fun to be like, sorry, guys, ruin that one again. <laughs> like, stuck with Nuggets, Sons, and doesn't matter. Um, festivals once more. Um, I do like this comment though that we got from Mahalo here who says every great player had to go through this and this is the thing man like I honestly believe this is the case like this is what's so great about like Yoke's not alone in being a player who sort of reached the pinnacle and the bottom simultaneously like we all know of course Dirk did this as well we all know Michael was breaking all kinds of records at the same time he was losing in humiliating fashion to, to the Pistons. Like Giannis just did this. Giannis just did this. Like there's really a lot. So a lot of this is what separates the great players in sports, but especially in the NBA from the very, very good ones, of which there's many. What separates them is how they respond to this. I mean, Tracy McGrady is one of my all-time great examples of this. He was a phenomenal player. He faced adversity, and I just feel like never – came out the other side different, just kept came out the same, the other side the same exact way. Um, 
this is why I don't mind being critical of Jokic in the way that I was yesterday. Like just kind of calling him out is to me, it's not calling him out as in, I don't believe in him or, or don't this it's that it's very rare with him because of how great he is for you to see an area where he can actually grow in plain sight. And to me, that's all that was, was just a little so constructive criticism. Like, he's good at this. He's good at that. He's great at this. Like he's good. At this. this was one where you're like, I see, I see an area there. I see a weakness and like, here it is. Let's see how he addresses it. And I have faith that he will. That's the other part about it is I'm like, I don't mind being critical of him because we've been critical of parts of his game in the past and he always gets better at them. So um, that's kind of how I feel about it. I, dude, this is, that's why I love that they pushed through it and competed because there's stuff to learn here. Yes. There's stuff to learn, particularly yes. for Yoke, who, by the way, uh, it would be better if they were healthy 100,000% maybe wouldn't necessarily learn or have to learn how to uh, manage this stuff emotionally, all the odds stuck, stacked against you, how to beat one of the greatest defenders of all time one-on-one -on -one when no one will hit a wide open three when you're willing to serve it up. Like these are lessons he's going to have to learn and he'll probably be better for it. Uh, we always talk about the mountains he climbs and how like the little steps and the hurdles, you know, from Porzingis to Cat to Embiid and AD. Now here's another one, and it's a championship pedigree player and one of the greatest defenders of all time, and Jokic doesn't have his help. So there is an opportunity to let this mold him into an even better, even more mentally strong player. And I'm also comfortable talking about it because I, I expect him to do it. But right. there's no evidence so far that suggests Jokic doesn't learn these lessons and improve in these ways. So yeah. um, this is one thing he can learn is – is hopefully it never has to be this hard, but how do I react when it is? It's funny because it reminds me of um, one of my favorite scenes in The Wire. I think it's Michael beats up like a, a beats somebody up, and he's kind of like this to shut them up, you know, to get people off my back. And someone comes up to him and he's like, "They're not going to stop challenging you just because you kick somebody's ass." Like, hey, this is the way it works. Like out here, like you beat up one guy and then another guy comes to test you and. That's the story Yoke's learned. That's, like, this is what Giannis is learning. He climbed to the mountaintop. Guess what? Everybody's coming for his neck again, and right. that's just the game. Like, what, you've got to stay on top. Once you get to, you got to get to the top, and then once you're on top, you got to stay on top by just fighting every challenger, and they just never stop. They just always are coming for you. Going back to that original conversation, I've brought this point up before. Blessing in disguise right now for Denver, the lack of attention that they're going to get over the next year or two, as opposed to a Knicks or a Lakers or, or Bulls. The, the pressure can absolutely compound and people like us get up and we talk about this stuff. And, and when people like us are also ESPN and it's happening on a national stage every day, uh, I'm sure it gets that much harder to navigate the turbulence. Denver probably won't have to go through this. It's the topic of the day right now. Right. Uh, people will forget about the Denver Nuggets. And I think that that's actually going to be an asset to Tim Connolly and company this summer. Yeah. Can't wait till everybody forgets about us. <laughs> I know. I know. But you know what I mean? Just in this particular yeah, instance, yeah. I actually do think it will help not being under that microscope that we, that we ironically and so desperately would like to be under. It's funny though. It is hilarious. Like this morning, um, no criticism exists for me, existed for me. I just, didn't look at it and it didn't exist like if you are right. if you're a professional athlete and like you're bothered by espn man is it easy to not turn that uh, channel on man is it easy to not open twitter you think it's easy i think it would be it was for me today i don't I, I don't think it would be uh maybe i think uh if your entire life is just 
people, uh, competition coming not only from people on the court, but out around. It's just everybody taking shots. It's just sort of the nature of it, I think. I mean, the young, like, Bones shows us that maybe that's not possible for the younger generation, but, like, I get why Jokic doesn't have social media, why he doesn't care at all, like, why he won't pay attention, because um, for as much of the good stuff as you get, man, like, days like this, you're like, man, is this worth it? Like, this sucks. I know. I know. Uh, why don't we hit our first break? On the other side, um, let's start to get into the lessons. I've outlined a, a whole list of things that I think the Nuggets can learn right now, both from the Warriors, who are obviously as good of a blueprint as anyone, and as well as just from the series and some of the obstacles. Breckenridge Brewery is the official beer of DNVR. Check out that Mile High City Copper Lager, the Nuggets-themed can, sleek blue can with that new Nuggets logo on there. It's not blue anymore. I have to get used to that, I suppose. Uh, but the beer is delicious. You can try it. Get it at your local grocery store, or you can use the Breck Beer Locator. Figure out where the nearest place to pick it up is. Bring it back to your couch. Watch some hoops. Drink some beer. Sounds good to me. Check out Breckenridge Brewery, uh, the official beer of DNVR. And just our good friends. If you want to support us, support them. Speaking of good friends, DraftKings Sportsbook, which is always supporting this show, wants you to know that the NBA playoffs mean next-level basketball. <laughs> yeah, we've learned that lesson the hard way. Get in on the first-round action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet $5 on any team to win. Get $150 in free bets instantly. You win no matter what. All DraftKings Sportsbook customers can also bet on NBA hoops with same-game parlays. Plus, each day of the first round, get a risk-free bet up to $10 if your same-game parlay does not hit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code DMVR. Bet $5 on any NBA team to win their game during the first round of the playoffs. And get $150 in free bets instantly. That's promo code DMVR at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. And we are back. Second ah! here. We're back. Um, I'm going to go in order here, like reverse order. So these will grow in terms of the, the, the importance of the lesson being learned here. But I'm going to start. I actually broke these down by person. Uh, lessons to be learned. Um, Bones Highland, first guy on my list. A lot to learn. Like, I wonder, I can't wait. Nugget Top practice tomorrow. We'll get to talk to the team, and I'm very excited for it. Like, I just want to take the temperature. I want to see, you know, some big things have happened since the last time we've been in the building with the Nuggets. So I'm just excited to kind of hear about that, but also to hear from Bones about what this experience has been like for him. But to me, Jordan Poole is 1000% a blueprint for uh, Bones Highland. Jordan Poole is for starters. He's six foot three, 194 pounds. He's kind of a facsimile. They're different bodies, but they are both skinny and tiny. Like they both have the same physical concerns. When you look at it, you're like, is Jordan Poole too tiny to succeed? And then also what I think is interesting is Bones has been compared to Jamal, but we know they're not the same player. They have similarities, but they're not the same. Yeah, Jordan Bones Poole's is Dame Lillard. Oh, thank you. Thank you for that. <laughs> Jordan, Jordan Poole has been compared to Steph Curry, and he's not that. So it's like, is he the next Steph? Is he a Steph replacement? Is he a, whatever? But it's like, no, he's actually pretty similar but kind of different in a way that just works. And I think that the same is going to be true for Bones. But the thing for Bones and why he's on here – oh, all the way. Also, Jordan Poole, 28% from three as a rookie, even though he played 60 games or 57 games. Took all the way until year three for him to – this is his breakout year – and like years one, then there was a jump up year two. And then this year it was like up and down until about halfway through where he really took off. 
Um, and now he's a part of their death lineup, even though he's a sixth man. So to me, there's a lot of similarities. When we all talk about is Bones the starting shooting guard, if he is or is not, it doesn't matter. Jordan Poole is a part of that Warriors team, and he's a sixth man who come off the bench, but he'll close a lot of lineups. Do you see some comparisons there, vote? And do you feel like a lot of people, Damian Lillard has been the comp, this or that. I actually think Jordan Poole provides a nice, like, hey, here's how you can both become your own person and your own player while fitting into a broader established system. Well, hold on. It's, I like how you, hold on, really quick. I like how you say, like, I've heard some people say Damian so, Lillard. Some people. Some, some people. people. <laughs> some people are talking about it. Well, it's wild what it, to what an extent Golden State empowered him. Now, that was over the course of three years where they sort of had a different kind of timeline and ramp up because expectations were different. But for a team with championship pedigree, with the team that they had in place, the Stars, they still empowered Jordan Poole to dribble around and take these shots. Um, I do think there's an element of not by game three, and I think everyone knows now, but your game plan has to be how do we guard Steph and Clay? And at a certain point when you've got a confident and empowered third guy running around, not willing to just play a role and hit some shots, but be dynamic, right? Disrupt the flow of the game, uh, make you just throw your hands in the air. Bones is sort of the V guy on the roster, right? That you would look at to fill that role for Denver. Um, when they get to full strength, if they get to full strength, all the concern about Jamal and, and Porter and where's AG on the court right now, if you pair that with a active and empowered Bones, you could be in a tremendous, tremendous place. Yeah, like uh, for me, Bones doesn't remind me of Jamal Murray at all. Like in the... Uh, he just in that I mean he's a dynamic scorer, right? They can both shoot. He's right? like a like, scoring guard, point guard. Like he can do a little bit of both. That's, that's yeah. But I, to me, I, like I see Bones as a accompaniment to Jamal Murray. Like I don't see him as as necessarily like the same player. I see those two being able to play off of one another, to be able to play off of Jokic, to be able to have he Murray and uh, MPJ on the court at the same time and and create ultimate spacing so that Jokic is able to really operate in the middle and then kick it out to any one of the shooters that can actually knock down a shot, which would be just an absolute revelation. Um, Bones to me is like, he's just pure confidence right now. He's running off of pure confidence and he, but he's learning more and more. You can watch him get more and more competent uh, to pair with his confidence. Each I, I love how uh, he really does try to bend the defense runs, sprints the ball up every time he makes the defense yeah. get back on their heels and like treat every it. possession as transition defense, even though, you know, maybe his uh, compatriots aren't running with him, but there's just like a, an exuberance youthful right now that bones brings that is just like, you know, not only is he able to create his own shot, which is amazing, not, not even necessarily through his bag, but just like he can shoot from anywhere. He has no, his range is limitless. Um, and so if it gets to the point where this is like actually part of what the Nuggets are doing, what the Nuggets bring to the uh, table every night, like it just like the geometry of the court gets crazy, you know, like defenders right. don't necessarily, they have to think about guarding your point guard. If, and I, I mean, I imagine a world where bones is the point guard and Jamal is the two. Um, and I guess, and they could sort of, you know, go interchangeably. I mean, much like, tell me if you've heard of this before, Dame and CJ, like there is a dynamic there that could absolutely work. And then, you know, the, the issue with Dame and CJ is that they were two small guys, but then they never had like a reliable big guy or any other, you know, uh, players of size of note that could like really go along with them. They, you know, they I have think like, there's another thing that's different about them. What? Well, so for number one, I want to get back to when you were saying like, you don't, it doesn't remind you of Jamal in this way. Here's what I meant by that. 
if I would have told you, like, can you have a backcourt that wins with you had Steph Curry and it's like we're gonna put Jordan Poole next to him, you'd be like, no, Steph Curry's small. Like he's already undersized. You're gonna put a guy that's even smaller. Like on paper or just on thought, you'd be like, this does not work. And I think that's one of the things when we talk about Bones, like, can he be that guy? And we're like, no, like, it's so small. Where's the defense? Like, th- this or that. But what you're, what we what we realize with this Warriors team is if you really can forge an identity that involves these guys, it doesn't matter. Like, they have a great right. defense with those two guys who aren't individually great at what they do. And here's why I disagree about the Damon CJ thing. It's actually less about the talent of the players. Damon CJ had a pick-and-roll offense. And only one player can run pick and roll at a time. You always have one guy. So it would always be like Dame runs it, flare cut to CJ, and then CJ runs it. And to me, that's an offense that works really well for those two guys' skill, but it's not the Warriors' offense, where you almost can't tell if they're running a play for Steph, Clay, Paul. You can't tell <laughs> until the awesome. shot goes up. It's like everybody that's is it, That's it, man. That's everybody. So many people – sorry, go ahead. No, 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 you go ahead. I want to hear it. There's just so many people, you know, on, on the timeline as the game is happening, especially while the death lineup's out there, like, how about you cover Jordan Poole? And it's like, well, right. they're, not, they're not choosing not to. They're yeah, also yeah. worried about Steph and Clay, and this is the result. Yeah, um, and again, like... Rubbed off on screens and shit. Like, those guys just crossing and crossing and crossing. Right. And Bones on the, at the two doesn't necessarily, doesn't necessarily be how you start or finish games, but that you have that look, that you can maybe send that avalanche out there. And... and uh, I'll get, you brought up a good point about defense being an arising property and, and being and an identity being forged. Um, I also want to quickly apply that to last year's Denver group. Now, we never saw it in the postseason, but without necessarily a massive overhaul in the roster in terms of who's here and individual defensive prowess, we've seen this huge drop-off. I actually thought those five guys last year were building towards an identity. I agree. I agree. And, and that was one of the frustrating things about watching the defense slide off of a cliff this year as you go, I don't know if it's this bad, even with present personnel. I think Jamal's defense has been underrated in his absence a little bit. I think people are, because it's like, oh, he's another bad defender. First of all, somebody just put on there 6'4". I think he's 6'5". I'm 6'5", 6'5 and a half, and I think Jamal's my height. I know it's always hard guessing players' height because everybody, like, some guys lie about it or shoes or whatever, but Jamal, I think, is my height, and I'm 6'5". So I think Jamal's actually really big for a guard. Um, that gives you a lot of that size, but I also just think he's good defensively. But nonetheless, the bigger point was about Bones Highland, yeah. and I'm just so curious. I, I saw I retweeted something today that was Jordan Poole has such a great collection of skill, like he has a naturally talented player. He's also worked on his craft extremely hard. You could tell, like he's become better at things that are very important. But he also has a swagger, a personality, and a drive. And the biggest thing is that drive. Like he's very clearly very driven to get better and better and better. And then I'll put the last part here. Remember when everybody thought the Warriors drafted great? And then all of a sudden they just now lately it's like they their guys are just like average, everybody they get. <laughs> I have this theory that good systems and good superstar talent, it makes it so much easier for players to develop. And I actually think this is part of why like Tim Conley's success is tied to Jokic's, is I think there's a lot of this with Jokic too. At its best, if you are going to succeed with Jokic, it's because you're learning the game on a deeper level than you are if you were playing with, say, James Harden and your job was just to stand in the corner and spot up. So I think that there's something to Denver probably, and the Golden State Warriors is even especially even more than Denver, are cultivating their picks are good, but they're turning them into great basketball players. And I hope the same thing happens with Bones Highland, where it's not just he becomes Jamal Crawford, where every now and then you give him the ball and he ices. Great player, nothing against him. But I hope he becomes more than that, to that one day he could be in the system 
to where he is one of five guys, and it doesn't matter if he's the best, second, or third. He's a guy you can't leave open and a guy that you yeah. can plug in, and he works. I, I, I'm, I'm convinced he will be. I'm, I'm absolutely convinced of, of Bones's, uh like, the path that he's on. Like, I just see him getting better and better. He's been so impressive at every turn. Um, and as the levels and the, the uh, pressure has gotten greater, like he's, he's risen to it, you know, like bones was one of the only players last night when things were really falling apart, that was still playing. He was still hitting three. I mean, n- nobody's watching at that point, but like bones was like still really engaged. It was actually like still that third quarter. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, I just love that. I love that he has fight and he, he's not, uh, you know, he's not scared. Yeah. Um, let's move on to the next guys, Michael Malone. Um, number one thing for me, I, I think that the Nuggets, I talked about this a lot on Locked On earlier today. Michael Malone's locked in. Like, whatever you think. I think people think about head coaches sometimes. They don't realize what their primary roles are. Michael Malone's job is to keep the team together, which, by the way, this is the first time in the Malone era where that's become in question. This is the first time. And it's, that's why it's so noteworthy that the team is fighting and the postgame commentary was so concerning. Michael Malone's been good at that. Maybe some things are happening, but I, but I still have trust that he can regain that, if not this season, certainly next year. But the Nuggets are with him. Like that's a, You can get mad about it, but, that, but he is going to be the guy. The thing I don't think people realize is how important assistant coaches are. And I've said this for a while. We were robbed of this the last two years because we don't know if the style of play that they had been winning with, whether that had another gear to get to. But I do think that Jokic is the perfect player for the Golden State Warriors offense. He is like, offensively speaking, he's like Draymond on steroids. And I think that the key for the Nuggets, once everybody is get to get back, they almost have to start from scratch in cultivating a little bit of a new identity. And I think that starts with Michael Malone and, and more, more appropriately with his assistants. The Warriors have had this great defense in the Kerr era. They've also had Ron Adams, who's wild, wildly hailed or widely hailed as the number one defensive mind in the game. The Nuggets might have to invest in some number one yeah. assistant minds, like a new fresh eyes on what this team looks like. And to me, that's probably the more the place where this front, this coaching staff could use a shakeup. Strongest agree. Strongest possible agree. And we talk, you know, we. Our opinions of Malone's strengths are well-documented. They're all out there. I do think this group plays hard for him. Um, I don't think they've ever had that extra gear. Well, maybe for that that two weeks. Yes. I don't think we've seen them sustained with that extra gear on either side of the ball. You know, I felt like they've had enough top-end talent to contend to make runs. I've never felt like they were a humming machine the way we've seen Golden State or Phoenix or even Boston on the defensive end. So, there is a, there's still a way where this can all kind of be tied together. You know, when, when we talk about, is it too much Jokic? It's, it's not necessarily his involvement level, but just how, how the rest of the guys are working around him and what that looks like. And I, and I've long felt paying up for an elite and assistant is maybe one of the next steps for this one. Yeah, man, this is talking about the nuggets in their future and, trying to figure out like what to do, how to fix, where to go is just such a, it's so tenuous, man, because like, like the Warriors who were able to like call back to their championship pedigree and the times they won the championship, we only had eight days or whatever, eight games, but my God, it was beautiful. Like we saw the vision, we saw what it looked like when um, the front office and the head coach were on the exact same page. They had the personnel that they wanted. They were able to run the system that they wanted. They were able to space the floor like they wanted. They were able to, I mean, it was just miraculous. And 
of course it was taken away from us immediately. And I don't know if it's like foolish to look back, like who knows, maybe those eight games were a misnomer. Like they were misleading. Like maybe that, that or we never get back to that group, right? Maybe Will we ever get back to that group? And yeah. was that group as good as we remember? I mean, were we just so in love with the idea of just like that rapid ascension? We didn't, you know, we never saw that group have to battle through right. adversity. They just came out and like, just, punked people like just and also like it's been two years just even the dynamics like here's the thing i feel like barton's tenure in denver is very likely up and yep, that there's yeah. like some fraying with him that i don't think was there when jamal murray got hurt right like, maybe there was like small i mean barton's always had like shot questionable shot selection or this or that but i think that everybody kind of understood that was his negative but that they enjoyed all the positives sometimes two years of intense stress and scrutiny the way that yep. the nuggets in particular have had it can fray some of these. And that's why teams often have to get new blood in there. And that's, by the way, that was the source of my rant. Not that anyone is wrong for wanting to move on. Just that I I just hated that. And like the way we were going to talk about that group and Barton not getting it done together was going to feel like revisionist history. Because I felt like two years ago, there was a shot for them to all work together. Alas, welcome to professional sports. Uh, No one said this would be easy, you know. Here's the one thing we'll end on this and then we'll move on. But... I have such a hard time envisioning the Nuggets winning a championship without moving significantly more. Oh, there he goes. Without without the team moving significantly closer towards Golden State style of offense, I, I, and they have to do a lot of things defensively as well. But to me, the maximum maximum Jokic Murray Porter, which like it or love it, like it or hate it, you're probably that's probably your big three. Like Murray, they're not going to trade. Porter can't be traded. I mean, I don't think anybody's taking him. So you got to build that. The only way to make that trio work, in my opinion, is to get that um, to get that kind of movement and that kind of basketball IQ. I think somebody just left dog and Palooza going on here. They're really going crazy. They love that point. They were just like my dog. My dog can't uh, get comfortable enough. Your dogs can't shut up. It's uh, what's up with your dog? She's also upset, but she's outside, so you can't hear. That's cool. That's cool. You guys ready for this next one? It's maybe I should have had it as one of the last ones, but it's honestly important here. The Cronkies. Oh, the Cronkies oh. have some lessons to learn. And by the way, they are at these games. They are watching. I'm sure they'll be at Ball Arena for uh, these games in games three and four. Um, people don't know this about professional sports. Owners can be absolutely insane. <laughs> they can be absolutely crazy. And I don't know, but I suspect the Cronkies fit into this category a little bit of where – some owners, and I'm not saying it's the Cronkies, but some owners have no idea what's going on with the organization for months at a time. No idea. Like, billionaires are their own type of creatures. They don't always, like, sometimes they're off the grid entirely and have no idea. And then they'll come in and check in and be like, okay, catch me up on the last eight months of my business or my yeah. team or whatever it is. And oftentimes that happens at big moments, the trade deadline, the playoffs, and so I imagine there's a little bit of Stan Kroenke being like, catch me in on the team. I haven't watched a game for a month and a half. Let me see what's happening. And then you watch, and your team is getting absolutely curb-stomped and clowned the entire way through. And this is where bad owners take that very limited perspective and say, I'm a billionaire for a reason. I see what's going on here. Let me interject. Um, if you want to compare and contrast Nuggets and uh, Warriors, I think perhaps the biggest difference will be between Joe Lacob and Stan Kroenke not that the Cronkies haven't done a lot of very good things. They have done some very good things over the Yoka era. Lacob famously said that he was light years ahead of all of the other owners. Like he's the most pompous billionaire there is. Can I tell you something? He was right. Sometimes you get to talk your shit when you are right. Look at the local ratings for the Golden State Warriors. My God, 
they make the Lakers look like the Nuggets. That's how popular he has made that brand. Look at Chase Center and this incredible arena he has built. Is it ridiculous that they moved away from Oakland and into San Francisco? Yes, but guess what? He upgraded the experience. That crowd still kicks ass, and you can't go 10 steps in the Bay without bumping into a Warriors fan. You can't even go 10 steps in Denver without bumping into a Warriors fan. And then you just look at the way that they have built the synergy between ownership, management, coaching staff, star, role player. It is so perfectly aligned. And I look at this and I think Silent Stan has been like MIA through three years of this altitude Comcast dispute. <laughs> like there's a lot of lessons I think he could learn from just looking at this Warriors team. I don't even know if he wants to learn those lessons. It might just be that he's like, I don't want to be that. I don't care. But if you do want to win at the levels that the Warriors have, he's going to have to become as smart as Joe Lacob. Is he technically the owner? Or is Josh the <laughs> He's owner? technically not the owner, and neither is Josh. Josh is the president. Technically, the owner is Ann Walton. Okay. Well, Ann Walton needs to get on her. She needs to figure some things out. There's our fall guy. <laughs> Fucking Ann Walton. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's the thing about um, – an owner that is a um, a businessman first uh, and collects franchises, uh, sports franchises, and has a portfolio of sports franchises. And some get, a t- I mean, it's like having children, right? Like you have your favorite child, me, Eric D-Line, and then you have the other children that are forced to deal with the scraps, figure out what it is that they, you know, is mom going to be there, whatever, like... The Nuggets are not their favorite son. I'll say that. Like they and nor you know, like they own a an NFL franchise that just won a Super Bowl. They want yeah. they own a massive uh, soccer franchise, which everybody hates them for over there as well. Uh, they have like all of these like really high powered um, pieces of their their portfolio, and like the one thing that we have working for us is that Josh Kroenke loves basketball and is actually like very invested in basketball and actually has friends in the league is friends with LeBron James was on the banana boat, goes to these weddings. So like, that's the one saving grace here. Um, Outside of the fact, like, you know, we've, we've talked about how it's actually beneficial that oftentimes the Kroenke's don't care because they just write checks and they allow, the, they put the right people in charge and they sort of allow them to run the franchise as they see fit. Like look at the Colorado avalanche, for example, and the Denver nuggets. It's just like at, at this exact moment in time where you're like, man, we, <laughs> I mean that the Crunkies can't be faulted. They opened up their purse strings when it came to signing MPJ, when it came to signing Nikola Jokic, when it came to signing Jamal Murray, they haven't been cheap at all. Like they're, t- they've gone right up to the edge of the salary tax and they're going to go over it. Um, with the belief that they finally have the pieces in place. It's just, you know, they're seeing what we're seeing. It's like this team right now doesn't have it. They just don't have enough. They, they don't. Yeah. And the reason is because they're missing their goddamn two best players, two max level players, max right. level players that you cannot replace. If you go all in on a max level player, you are committing to that player. You are committing to that being, you're, you're tied directly to that player and your faith. Those two are inextricable. And both of those guys went down. Like, that is the biggest FU from the universe. Um, I see the chat's very confused about Ann Walton owning the Nuggets, thinking it was Stan. Stan and Ann, husband and wife, uh, Stan, because he owns an NFL team, cannot legally own an NBA team. Yeah. So the wife so owns he him, doesn't. But, so he doesn't. So he doesn't. Yeah, technically right. the owner is Ann Walton. But 
Um, yes. Let's get our final break here, though. Let's get on the other side because we, we still have some more lessons to be learned. And up next, Tim Conley, <laughs> Jabal Murray, and one Nikola Jokic. All right, Ivaca TV. It gets Hell yeah. people going. Here's the deal. We've been telling you about Ivaca for a while. They've been helping us out with our watch parties. They've been presenting sponsors or the takeovers, excuse me, on the takeover events. Uh, but we finally got a promo code, guys. So we're not just trying Hell to get yeah. Let's just trying to get the Nuggets and the Avs back on your TV. We're not just trying to get Altitude Sports back on your TV. We're trying to do it and save you some cash as well. Again, Evoca TV has Altitude Sports. So if you want to watch your favorite teams, the teams you're entitled to watch, the teams you should have been watching all year, go to evoca.tv slash DNVR. Use promo code DNVR. You're going to get $10 off your first three months. That's only $15 per month in the first three months plus receiver. Uh, Ivaka is awesome, man. We're getting a lot of uh, a lot of testimonials. People are happy to have the Nuggets and the Az back on their TV again uh, these days. And then I got to talk to you about oh, it's Wana again. Wana, Wana, don't you want to go to Lightshade, Colorado's premier dispensary with eleven locations? So if you want to go, you can go. Plenty of options. Just walk right in. You scream DNVR as loud as you can. They're going to ask you politely not to do that. Um, what you actually do is you you order some product first, like Wana Optimal's Fast Asleep. Uh, if you need to catch up on some shut-eye after the big game, no matter when you take them, the well-rounded recipe leaves you feeling rested and refreshed in the morning. Over-the-counter pharmaceuticals knock you out with powerful drugs that leave you in a fog. Not Wana Optimal's Fast Asleep gummies, though. That's a holistic plant-based solution that tackles the root causes of sleeplessness, like stress and pain. So go to Lightshade. Say, I want some Wana. And then you say DNVR quietly, calmly, politely. We'll give you 25% off all non-sale items. You can actually scream it at them and they'll still give it to you. It's like, that's what Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah everyone, everyone, should write, everyone should write down those instructions you just gave because it's important to do them in the right order. First, you order the item. You enter the store, right? That's right. Yeah, yeah. you enter the store. Well, you, you find order, it first. You yeah, find it, you locate it, it, enter, ask for Wana, scream DNVR at the top of your yeah, lungs. That's right. That's and right. then give them the amount of money they request. They'll give you change. You guys are familiar with the transaction, right? That's exactly That's right. Let's That's go. Right. Write that down, everybody. Also, a little side them. note before we get into these other ones. You guys see the officiating crew for the yes. uh, Pelicans Suns game tonight? You got Foster Brothers, Scott Foster and Tony Brothers. Scott Foster, of course, the one that like Chris Paul hasn't won a playoff game with Scott Foster in like Two. eight years. Uh, that's an exaggeration, but how great! Think about how mad you would be. At least it happened no, in the dude. first round for those poor, poor Phoenix Suns. I really <laughs> hope that I really hope those two texted each other, brothers and Foster, and they were like, "Epic troll job, no <laughs> calls, no calls from either of us." I oh, like yeah. that together. Their name is Foster Brothers. Like <laughs> you just have two Foster Brothers that show up and right. just beat the shit out of you. It's so true. The most feared duo in the league. <laughs> <laughs> um. Next up, I got Jamal Murray up next, guys. There's a lot of pre- – I honestly think this. There's a lot of pressure on him next season. We all saw his tweet. We talked about it yesterday with him saying, like, oh, y'all really think I don't want to play, huh? Like, he's he's clearly seeing the blowback and some of the criticism. Um, some of this, like I, – I, everybody knows I'm of a, a couple minds about this. I don't want to, like, linger on the, the this year aspect. Linger. He has not been ruled out, guys. He has not been <laughs> 50-50? He's still not ruled out from the state. He's going to come Get back. your report coming soon. But I think that next year really does put a lot of pressure on him. And there's, like, lessons for him to learn as well. And one of those is we haven't really seen Jamal Murray carry the Nuggets. I, we might need to see that next year more than we've ever seen it. We might In need the to regular see- season? 
In the regular season, yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. the regular season. What I mean is, like, that's its own job, though. That's basically what's been asked of Jokic over the last season and a quarter of the playoffs are a different beast, but it's like, hey, regular season, we just need you to carry. Like, Yoke deserves some time off. It got Eurobasket this this fall. Then you got a season. Like, Yoke deserves to play 60 games next year. Honestly, he deserves it. So he might – there's a lot of pressure on him to come back and sort of um, – and still a lot of confidence. Do you guys have any other thing on what Murray maybe can be learning from the series or from the Warriors? Uh, well, first of all, how important he is to this team. Not that I think he ever doubted that, but just right. co- coming into next season in as best shape as he possibly can. Yep. You know, And I know he's not going to be able to get basketball miles underneath him between now and then or get a real game speed action, but doing everything he can to be in a position to go from day one uh, because this team needs him, and I think he understands that, and I think we will see him come back and leave his heart on the floor as he has. Um, but look, you only get so many opportunities at this. This is two years, you know. This is two years that's down the drain. It's not anyone's fault, but it is. So, what is he willing to do to come in to camp at top shape? To be willing to try to take his game to the next level in regular season, try to give Yoke that break if he can. Um, I, I think he's got a, I would imagine he has a lot on his mind right now, fellas. And this will be a test in its own right of how he approaches this summer and, and what his mindset's like next year. Yeah. I mean, unfortunately for Jamal, like the cameras keep finding him, you know, like looking bummed out, looking like towards the court and like his emotions match everybody else's emotions. So then it's like you're, you, people get mad at him knowing that he could theoretically be a solve to the anger that they're feeling, which is not true. It's absolutely, I mean, like, even if we added Jamal, that's still not enough to beat the Warriors. Like we, we would need uh, Jamal and MPJ. I mean, we need that. We need to be at absolute full strength. There's no chance like to just kind of go at this team sort of haphazard. Like we could beat the snot out of the, out of the Mavericks. We could be, we could probably take on and, and beat the, the Grizzlies. But I just, I, I, believe very wholeheartedly very firmly that the warriors are now again who they were before like i i just am seeing out of the warriors what i saw before it just is a little bit too close to be just a coincidence again um but for jamal like you know he's got (laughs) he's just got to learn like like look at the warriors look how much movement these guys have look how they never stop running look how disruptive it can be if you're just a dead eye jump shooter like what it does to a defense how you can scramble an entire team and like just cause chaos um all of this he knows but it's just you know there's there's something about like having something that you love taken from you that makes you appreciate and think about it in a different way and um i imagine that all of this you know, like th- this is now two playoffs in a row where Jamal has to, has had to sit with his hands tied behind his back, watching his uh, compatriots just get murdered, <laughs> knowing right. that if he was out there, things could be so th- things could be different. So I imagine he will come back with a real sense of focus, like knowing that at any moment ba- basketball could be taken away from him again. And I'm hoping that I mean, I'm sure that we'll get like the most laser focused Jamal that we've ever seen. I think the one thing I will say about Jamal here, and this is gonna, this is kind of critical of him again. I think there's still a maturation process, I and mean, he's still kind of a young guy, although he's right at the edge of no longer being a young man. Um, and what I mean by that is, like, 
you know, everybody knows he liked that tweet from Ryan Blackburn where it was like, it's so funny how nobody seems to know when Murray's coming back. And like, he liked that. And then he had the thing with the media where he sat down and was like, you guys got questions for me? Ha-ha. Just kidding. I'm not doing it. Like, haha. It's like, this isn't a haha moment, especially when Yoke's out here kind of leading Sports Center and every other talk show right now just being clowned on. It's like, there's, I, he, I think that he probably can grow in the way of appreciating the gravity of the situation and just how fleeting. Like, what's, the, the famous line, like they asked the Buddha, what is the number one thing that um, that that people don't realize? And it's how short t- your time is here on Earth. Like everybody thinks you have all this time. But like the older you get, the more this is a realization of you're like, man, this shit goes fast. And I hope that Murray has that realization of, man, this shit goes fast. Like there's times to laugh. There's times to troll. But there's also like a, a weight to it. And I'm not saying come back or don't come back. Like none of us know. the He's the only – Murray's the only player we know. But to – handle things with the appropriate level of gravity and levity at times, but gravity as well um, for the situation. And I just, there's been a couple times where I felt like that wasn't necessarily the case. And I hope, and I hope Yoke is cool with it. I mean, we're definitely going to get the most mature Murray. I mean, just by virtue of the fact that he will be older, but also like having seen all of this transpire in front of him and like, watching his perspective change and watching people get so front, so angry at him that he, that he won't get back in. Um, you love this dude. <laughs> that's a shot, right? He's taking a shot, right? I can't tell. I actually can't. I tell. can't even be mad. It's too good of a comment. Adam reminds me so much of Ugh. Prof Oweka. He's so wise. Oh, <laughs> honestly, like, hey man, if you talk shit and it's bad, you get blocked. You talk shit that's hilarious. Like, I you get, yeah, you get no, featured. Someone, <laughs> someone told me. Someone last night at the end went, "I love vote." He's like the Popeye Jones of DNVR. <laughs> I've been laughing ever since. <laughs> You're like, what am I going to do? I'm buried. I'm murdered. Um, <laughs> holy shit. Um, you know, if you want to tell you where I'm at with Michael Porter, I didn't even make him on this list as if there's no lessons for him to learn. I know. Everything I just said about Jabal applies to Michael Porter like a hundredfold. On top of like, Michael Porter is so talented, but is he anywhere close to being Clay Thompson level at reading the court? Like, if there's a lesson to be learned, like, he missed his whole rookie season as a redshirt year, and I felt like almost wasted it and not really knowing anything about basketball. I swear to God, I hope this season he missed. He's like just in not the lab, but like actually like in the notebooks, just he studying t- shit and then the film. No room. chance. First, no he talked that first of all. Oh God, just another year down the drain. Remember, he talked this off season about wanting to be more like Steph as a deep threat, and that he wanted right, to be active, right. and he. And he wanted to be moving off ball. There's a lot of things people talk about in the way Porter could improve. And there's plenty of areas for growth. I think the number one thing I would like to see is footwork and and route taking when coming off screens. And I think yeah. if he could just be an active dude who knows how to read the floor, who knows how to, how to take a screen the right way, or come off of a screen rather, get his feet set and shoot. Um, it doesn't just have to be stationary in the corner. So I hope that's a lesson he's learned as well. Now, having said that, power rankings for guys who are most likely to learn their lessons he, he's at the bottom so. that's why i said it tells you like where I, my hope is with him that yeah. i didn't even feature him in my list and then like you mentioned him earlier and i was like oh yeah michael porter i'll throw him on here too um i want to go quickly through Jokic because we spent a lot of time on this yesterday and i just don't think we need to like linger on it that much um for me lessons he just has to chip away at solving Draymond. at this point i don't think the nuggets i mean i'm a doubter i'm a doubting thomas i don't know if they can win the series but if he just makes progress between now and whenever the season ends at solving Draymond, 
it'll go a long way next season if these two teams yeah. match up, which is very likely if Denver's going to win a championship next year. So just solve Draymond a little bit. Just wouldn't, move a little bit closer towards that end result. Wouldn't solving, like making a three-point shot would go a long way. To sure. Well, I have that on here. He needs to improve his three ball. Like, I cannot is- believe how bad his three-point shooting has been. I It is... I have absolutely no confidence in a Jokic three-pointer going in, which is the first time in his career I've ever felt this way. And he just cannot break out. He's made like one in the past month and a half. I think he knows this, though. Of course he does. How could you not? What I'm saying is, and I think that probably will be a huge point of emphasis for him this offseason. I'm just guessing. But the one thing I will say is, I wonder if there is something. He's never been a great three-point shooter. And I wonder if there's something about mechanical that has to change sometimes. And I'm not saying like he totally has to change, but it could be like he's always shot it with his feet this way and he needs to spread them out just a little bit. Like there could be something like that, that I almost feel like he needs to work with a shot specialist to just be like, why is my three <laughs> one of the best mid range shooters in history, but a bad three point shooter? How do I bridge that? And I hope he's, it, it, he takes that approach to it. Um, this is the big one. I also said needs to improve even more on defense. Like he's gotten better, but we just see how hard it is to defend. And I he can't stop. Like he made huge strides over the last two seasons defensively, but it's very clear to me that he has more huge strides to go. And I hope that he can make those. And then, but this is the real one. He's got to be held accountable for the temper and leadership. And this is the thing I went in yesterday. That's why I don't want to go into it today a whole lot. You could check my notes from yesterday, but nobody checked LeBron James when he was in Cleveland. This was the great failing of the Cleveland Cavaliers. Nobody checked him. All of his friends flew on the team plane. He told the team when they wanted to leave or arrive at a say, oh, we're going to New York tonight. Uh, I want us to get there early so I can go out the night before and do this or that. And like everybody like, whatever, whatever, whatever. Jokic doesn't demand those types of things. We know he has a higher character on those types of things. But on a different things, like, for example, losing your temper, I just don't believe it's why people, everybody got mad at me for for my take on him and it's like guys you're not doing a player you love any favors especially as a media member by not calling them out even when there are very very few things about him and for me that's like the technicals the leadership the just being able to keep your poise under pressure is such a big part of this do i understand his frustration absolutely do i think it was a productive way to deal with that by getting thrown out again absolutely not and I just think he has to be held accountable for that. And it's going to be tough for Malone, for Tim Conley, and for the Nuggets organization. But they, in my opinion, they have to have sort of a firm hand in this of like, hey, it's your one flaw that we can kind of point to here. He also agrees. I mean, he said as yeah. much. He said as much last night, and he said as much over the All-Star break, that keeping right. his composure in these moments is is the best thing he can do. And it's, I think one thing when I disagree, you know, with people on this and, and, and the Jokic stuff, it's not really about fairness. It's not right. like, is it, is it fair that Jokic is getting clobbered and has no help and he's going to get, and the refs won't call it and everyone's going to tear him to pieces. No, but heavy is the head that wears the crown. And when you're capable of moving mountains, that becomes the bar. So yeah. he agrees. He agrees. And again, as I said in last night's show, it's not, Oh man, Jokic can't do this for me. It's I'm excited to watch him figure this out. Um, that would be hilarious if Jokic started throwing his weight around the Nuggets. He's like, "Listen, guys, we're gonna stay another day. We're going to the horse track. We're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna start traveling." Like, Why not? <laughs> if you were to throw your weight around, what difference does it make? It's because you want to go to the club or you want to go to the horse track. It's actually would be so hilarious if he was like, "We're staying because there's a race." And like, yeah, all yeah. the Nuggets players are like, "Damn it! What are we doing in Indianapolis?" For four days? They're like. 
we're gonna get in at 2 a.m for our next game he's like i don't care the 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 top chariot racers in town <laughs> every time you swing through atlanta or i don't know charlotte you <laughs> end up having a four-night trip because you are like the tracks there yeah they're like man Jokic is a monster (laughs) it's just austin rivers instagram stories just like oh my god (laughs) they're staying nowhere Uh, all right the last one and i left it last because i do think it's a very important one um tim conley uh i i think it's easy to overreact on this one about like oh this terrible team he built like come on guys like come on we just went through this like (laughs) but he does have to thread the world's tiniest needle at sorting through what parts are just we're missing your two best players and what parts are yeah but there's these other things that are going and none of us know the answer to that tim conley doesn't know the answer to that the nuggets need defense um the nuggets also more than anything i think need a sense of urgency these two years of data have been the toughest are they still on the don't skip steps plan i mean eric honestly like are the nuggets still the we don't skip steps nuggets or is that sort of like completed uh they here's the thing is that they didn't skip any steps they completed the last step which was to make a con- big consolidation trade get yeah. a superstar um because the steps to me are they just draft and they develop and they draft and they develop and yeah. then once they get to a point where they're actually um you know following those steps then the next step is to yeah bring in free agents get uh trades and be able to use the assets you've accumulated to build the right team not just like whatever was available to you in the draft um and so they did that they built the team that we thought they wanted to we built that they built they got exactly to the place that they um wanted to be and then it was immediately taken from them and us um so i don't know this is like a side these, these are the sidestep nuggets right like we're just having to the dosi do purgatory nuggets like this I, I don't know man like to me it's when they all come back and again like i i i'm i'm at the point where i don't know how to feel about all of that like i don't know if it's folly to chase this like this vision this like ghost of of something that we saw it's just that we saw it and it was like very it felt very truthful it felt very much like the vision that uh was in the works the entire time and we actually saw it come to fruition and then it was taken for us so I, i i don't know that it even makes sense to start a new vision with the players that you have like uh, outside of just like doing a complete, I mean like that to me is like the steps lead up and if they don't work, you tear them down and you do a rebuild and they have had this long-term vision that they're on. And it's like, you have to see it through. Like I don't, I literally don't know what other choice you have. Yeah. It is tough. Like which step do you step forward from, right? That team you built or this team. And you can look at this team and go, Oh man, so much has to change. They weren't even close. Um, and that's true, except they were close when they had their players. So what does Tim, like, there's, this is ripe for overreaction from Tim Connolly's perspective, right? It's going to be a very difficult thing to do. Um, they already got aggressive. They already took risks. They already made the consolidation trade. I do think they need more defense. Yep. I think if they can make those moves, you know, along the margins, it's great. Um but again, like, what does he look at? Where is he evaluating from? Is he trying to get back to that place? Should he? I do not think these are easy questions to answer. And especially because going back to something we talked about in the middle of the show, their point of defense in the playoffs every year has been woeful. But there was a moment last year where we wondered, man, like, does, does is that a rising property there? Like, is this group just better at it? Despite breaking it down piece by piece, they're lacking the individual prowess. I felt like the answer was yes. Um, and I think everyone would look a little bit better right now at defense, even the worst defenders on the team. 
if they were in their normal roles. So is this about shaking things up and trying to get a Marcus Smart type? Or is it just about trying to get your guys back on the floor? Again, in a healthy year, in a healthy year, Davon Reed, Facundo Campazzo, the stuff we've spent all season arguing about, it doesn't come up. So there's like lessons to learn, but at the same time, if that's what's so relevant, you're already screwed. So again, I just think it's a tough thing for, for Connolly to have to thread here. To, to me, it's like also um, like the, the core, like if you are team building in the right way, you build a core, you build a strong core, and then you fill in around the the, the edges of that, those players. And so like, for me, it's like, working around the edges of the core that they have developed is where we have to, like Jeff Green, not a great addition. I have to say the, the jury's back. Not great. Um, there's other like Will Barton becomes another guy that you have to look at. Like, is he, is he still part of the plan? Is he still part right. of the core to me? Like the core and the steps are still in place. Absolutely. It's just sort of like, yes. Okay. We can't sell out for, all offensive guys because we didn't have that because we lost our two shooters. So we can't get Bryn Forbes when in like, we should have gone for another Shaq Harrison type probably. Right. right. Um, so there's definitely like issues there that, that can be, but it, it's, it's just definitely like around the edges stuff. And you know, there's just a million different ways you can go about it. And it that, that is where like your coach and your GM really have to be on the same page. The only thing is, I would just, my last point is, I think every GM's misses along the edges would look a lot bigger if they were down their second and third player. So I just think that's a tough thing to, you know, where did he really miss versus where did they get screwed? And that's, I don't think there are necessarily easy answers here. Well, there should be Denver Nuggets practice tomorrow, so it'll be good to talk to these guys and just kind of get the temperature there and then obviously give us some more to comment on. There'll probably also be a Warriors practice tomorrow, so we'll be able to attend that. So that'll be interesting. Uh, we do have one quick super chat here. If we want to throw it up, it comes from Shonix, and it says, guys, what do you think of three last game one ejection per game? Something is wrong. I'm not sure I understand what this means. There have been some ejections. I'm guessing asking about from Jokic specifically. Well, um, we've got about- we've got Jokic. We've got uh, Demarcus Cousins. Uh, did we have a was there an ejection for the? Uh, I'm trying to think. Oh, the last three games, one ejection per game. Yeah. I don't remember what the last one before Boogie was. Me either. But either way, it was the Austin Rivers phantom ejection. Yeah, the Austin Rivers one doesn't count. Like that one. Like, yeah. That one is insane. <laughs> Uh, but what I but maybe it does count honestly if we just lend credence to it the one thing I will say is the team does seem more flustered than I've seen in the entire Malone Jokic era and that's why these losses are so noteworthy they're both oh, Faku it was Faku that's right Faku <laughs> dude everyone's oh, yeah, getting Faku ejected <laughs> Faku here you know what though like the Faku one was pure frustration I think at the time we were just like Faku's had a rough year but I will say. There is this like part of what can be stressful, even in a tough situation, is if this, there's this stress just from the atmosphere, from the environment that you're around. And um, they're probably, I don't know if there's something that connects all three, um, but it's certainly, I would agree with the overarching premise that this team does feel more tense and frustrated and more irritable, easily irritable than, than ever before. And some of that is the Warriors do this to teams. The Nuggets are not the first team to crack under the pressure of the Golden State Warriors kicking your ass. Yep. Uh, they're just the first team to do it in the last three years because the Warriors yeah. have kind of been dormant. They've been in so sick. Dude, um, we're, we're trailblazers. That's dope. Super <laughs> cool how Jordan Poole is just Kevin Durant. That's Isn't sick. that dope? That's so dope. Yeah. Good for yeah, them. Isn't that sweet? Like they lost Steph Curry and they lost 
<laughs> oh, come on. We got to get out of this wallowing. Our own pity. Come on. You can act like a man. All right, everybody. Thank you guys so much for hanging with us. We really enjoyed I enjoyed this conversation. I felt like it was therapeutic. Yesterday, I was down so bad. Today, I'm nearly down bad. Oh, look at you. I, I, oh, I stayed in bed, watched Batman, and ate nachos. So I'm great. <laughs> I'm, I'm in great spirits. I'm practicing my Portuguese, and I'm getting better. So I'm going to get back to that. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Uh, all right, everybody, hit that like button on the way out. We'll see you.